So when we're thinking about our business models and uh, if we place ourselves in the hero line, the person that we're then serving has to pick one of these other lines in our mind. So Ooh, we're that's so role. powerful. Oh my God, and, keep going. Just that's just right? so powerful. And how often does the medical model or the midwifery model or an unhealthy birth model say to the woman, you're the victim, right? <laughs> if we take the hero role, we will be tempted to allow these people who are supposed to be celebrated and rooted for to become the person that people pity. My name is Augustine Colebrook, and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey, y'all. I am Jamara, and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife Rx. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. Welcome back to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast and to another amazing episode. And today we are speaking with Margie and I wonder, could you just do like your introduction? Like, who are you? Where are you? What do you do? Sure. Yeah, I am a midwife and owner of Frisco Birth Center in North Texas. I've been a midwife for about seven years. And uh, across that time, I've had about 500 babies, served many more families than that. And I am a preceptor of students, um, student midwives as well, because I believe in the apprenticeship model. So I'm night and day midwife. And then in my other half, a mom of four grown men. So amazing and amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well, um, today we had this idea to chat because you, like me, have dove in deep into the entrepreneurial world of midwifery, not just catching babies, but actually making money at this profession. And because of the direct entry community-based midwifery model, oftentimes that's the only way you can make money is to become your own boss and become an entrepreneur or a birthpreneur, as we call it. And um, you have some interesting ideas and applications and we first started this conversation around creating a story brand. So let's start there. Why don't you tell us what a story brand is? So um, when, when we think about the way most people get jobs nowadays, they apply for a job using their resume, which is usually just a long list of all of the ways that, or all of the skills that they think they can demonstrate to try to prove their worth to someone. But um, if you ever flip it on the other side and think about the ways you make your own decisions, the ways, like when you have a big decision coming up, 
you're internally imagining what are the barriers, what are the obstacles, what are the challenges that I'm going to have to overcome? And then you begin to think through what are the solutions and who can help me if I need that. Um, so it's two very different um, approaches. One is from the consumer side. So to be a good midwife, we say we are with women, right? Uh, we, we are serving people on their journey. So it makes sense to take the mindset of not trying to sell our credentials or prove our um, skill set in a resume style way and more to uh, kind of envision what the consumer is experiencing and work into that model. And the only other way um, that you see this kind of thing is in the movies. In movies, you have a hero of every, like your centerpiece, your central person of your movie is the hero. And they are facing a big obstacle, trying to figure out how, what they need to overcome it, facing their challenges. They're usually pretty flawed characters. And they are almost always looking for a guide or a solution to their problems. So StoryBrand says, instead of framing ourselves like the hero of our own story, uh, when we are trying to come alongside someone else, we need to think of them as the hero and position ourselves as the guide in a story, which really changes kind of everything because it means then the way we speak about ourselves can't be all about, I'm the hero of my whole story and I can be your hero because in a storyline, there's only one hero generally, and that's the person we want to serve. So it's a little tricky to kind of articulate it. I'm not sure I gave it justice. No, you did. It's great. And I, I love this for its multiple implications. And this is why I wanted to talk with you, because certainly when we're talking about advertising, branding, writing copy that attracts people, it's incredibly effective. But it goes even further than that. And this goes into part of how I am sort of approaching mentoring midwives and mentoring students, um, which is uh, really taking stock of why you're there mm -hmm. and evaluating what brought you to midwifery in the first place. So we're gonna take a little detour really quickly. And if you've ever taken a class from you, you've heard me say this. So sorry for the repetition for all some right, people. Right. <laughs> but um, I like to think of there being like this triangle uh, shape and this triangle has three points and those are the three access points to birth work. One is that we access birth because we're in it for the mom. We're in it to like save the medical institutional, uh, you know, reduction of her glorious experience to being a container, right? We've all heard the memes. We all hate it. This is what basically all of what Ina May was doing, right? This was like Rahima Baldwin Dancy, like many of the pioneers in midwifery back in the day, they were in it for the mom. She needs an empowering experience. She needs to stand on her own two feet. She needs to birth her baby. Like we just catch, we don't deliver, right? All of these things that's in it for the mom. Then there's another access point where you're in it for the baby. And this was like Frederick Laboye, right? This quiet and the soft and the delivering into water and, and uh, being there for the consciousness, the transformation of intrauterine to extra, uh, extraterrestrial and, and uh, the portal and welcoming a new soul on the planet and their felt experience. And all, of, well, not all, but a whole lot of the perinatal psychology movement is around 
what the baby experiences and how the mother is responsible for transmuting her emotions across the placenta. I mean, that's some heavy shit, right? <laughs> so some people are in it for the baby, right? And then there's a third access point. Um, and this access point is that you're in it for yourself. And there's a whole bunch of medical model folks who are, uh, but there's a whole bunch of midwives who are too. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. None of these one places is a bad thing. It's when it becomes myopic. It's when it becomes exclusive that it's bad. So when we show up to birth for ourselves, we maybe have some unhealed trauma. We maybe had a challenging birth when we were born. I know that's my story. Um, we may have had a challenging birth when we gave birth. Also my story. Um, we may be in it because we are still unraveling what the origin of relationship is all about, right? Um, and it might give us something that we don't get in the rest of our life. So if you're in a very unhealthy partnership relationship, but when you go to the office, people are like, oh, thank you so much. I love you. You're amazing. Oh my God, my midwife, right? If you're getting fed in a way that you aren't in the rest of your life, it could be really like tantalizing to drop into that. You know what I mean? It could be like, oh God, finally someone sees me and recognizes me. Like that's not actually a bad thing. Only when it becomes exclusive. So I love this point of access to talk about entrepreneurialism through the lens of talking about why we're showing up in the first place and to really recenter the whole birthing family, right? Not just even the woman that you may be serving, but their partners and their whole family um, to make that the center of the story, even the baby sometimes the center of the story, um, so that we can reframe our relationship with the people we serve. And I think then the next like kind of evolved piece is to reframe the relationship with ourselves. When you're living your own story in your own family, in your own house, you're the hero of your own story for sure. But when you're out in a service profession, you can't be and shouldn't be. And when you do, that means that you're actually living in that egoic place, right? Mm-hmm. It's such a fascinating and I would exploration. Add to that. It's completely yeah. the coolest thing ever. And your passion is so contagious. It makes me want to just like, <laughs> the screen. I need to be with you. Um, it's nine in the morning here. <laughs> I'm having my coffee. It's, I'm a little bit. You, know? you should have more coffee, girl. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. I got a prescription for coffee from my midwife. I'm good now. Yeah. So what, I'm, what I'm thinking though, um, when you think about the classic hero line, like Star Wars, right? The yes. Skywalker. Um, yes. There are very clear roles in every great um, hero movie, right? There's yep. the good guy and there's the bad guy and there's yep. the guide and there's the victim. And so the good right. guy, everybody loves the good guy, right? We're rooting for the good right. guys. We want this hero to overcome we probably have some compassion for their weaknesses because they yeah. identify with their weaknesses and we want them to overcome because we're kind of vibing on that sense of, you know, the underdog, the hero, um, yeah. with the thing, right? But right. The people also have important roles, right? There's the victim. Everybody feels a little bad for the victim, but also they kind of 
pity the victim there it's a it's a really hard place to be and most people don't go into a story thinking that the victim is the part that they would want to play right and the bad oh, guy right. we all want to hate the bad guy we kind of also love the bad guy we get we might have empathy for the bad guy but we're probably not inviting the bad guy out for coffee we don't really want to connect with the bad guy so when we're thinking about our business models and uh, if we place ourselves in the hero line, the person that we're then serving has to pick one of these other lines in our mind. So Ooh, we're that's so role. powerful. Oh my God, and, keep going. Just that's right? so powerful. And how often does the medical model or the midwifery model or an unhealthy birth model say to the woman, you're the victim, right? <laughs> if we take the hero role, we will be tempted to allow these people who are supposed to be celebrated and rooted for to become the person that people pity and really don't want to be around and that oh my god i'm just like, like this is a mic drop moment margie like yes. this is a mic drop moment i hope everyone's really paying attention <laughs> because this is like so big I actually taught about this at the retreat this year in Galveston. And I want to just do a quick refresher because it's so apropos. So I teach an exercise called the drama triangle, where we lay out innocent victim. They're, they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, we lay out another card that says judge villain, because they're two sides of another coin. And then we lay out a third one, which is hero or rescuer, because those are two sides of the same coin, right? So we have these three triangle points. And I ask everyone to choose the point that they spend the most time at. And for almost all midwives, that's hero, mm -hmm. right? Great. And so they, they come out there and then this is the hero stance. They put their arms on their hips and they say, come on guys, follow me. I know the way, right? Right. <laughs> and we dramatize it a little bit because we're trying to make fun of it to understand it. But it's really, I mean, this is, this is a role. And then I put someone else on the circle. Where do they usually hang out? When someone occupies the hero spot, you are exactly right. They can't, no one else can be there. They have to choose one of the other two spots. And so they either end up at villain. You, 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 why are you doing this? You are hurting me. You are doing this. Or they end up at victim. <laughs> why? It's not fair. I need help. Uh, help me. Right. That's like, these are the only other two roles available. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I so in storyline, they say the guide is also there, like the Yoda, right? The right. Yoda so says, then I the next the level when they you. go when they go round and round on the drama triangle, because what happens is the villain goes, You're doing this, you're doing this. And eventually the hero drops to victim and starts crying, right? If if the victim cries long enough, the hero will move over to villain and be like, listen, buddy, you better get it together, right? We do this in birth work all the time. All the time. And if it, this is called the drama triangle or the revolving door of the drama triangle. And you just go round and round. You can do this with your own internal thoughts. You can do this with your partner or your kids. You can do this with your parents. You can do this with your work partners and you can do this with your birthing people. So, with, so what I recommend is that once they go round and round long enough that they're aware that they're on this level one of this game that they're playing, they can move to level two, which is awareness. And then the next level, level three, the ultimate goal of this game called life, I think, is to move towards the center, get off the drama triangle and move into what I call love warrior or like you're calling guide. I love that. You can be Yoda. You can be Obi-Wan, right? There's a way off this drama triangle. You don't have to play that game. And so tell us about what the guide is like 
in your world? Like, tell us some of the words that describe it. Yeah, so the um, the Yoda character is the classic one, right? He's far enough down the line, they can see the challenges from a place of having already navigated some of those oh. challenges. They're not gonna rescue and do it for you. They just oh. want to give you the tools you need so that you can also kind of overcome. But they don't presume to know your scenario intimately. They presume to know what it took for them to achieve success in that similar arena and then to help you um, earn the tools so that you can arrive at it. It's just a, a little twist. It's and a major I, twist. This is not little. This is major. This is yeah. major. It's pretty Say it cool. again. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> it's just allowing people, it's coming alongside people so that they can hold their journey. We're not doing it for them not prescribing for them the one right way to do it, but loaning what we learned when we were on that same path in an earlier time, loaning the tools and the resources and the insights that we kind of arrived at organically and sharing them in a way that allows the person to take what they can use for their challenges without us dominating their own journey. So, yeah. you know, teaching them how to use the lightsaber, but not jumping in the battle for them. That kind Ooh. of. Ooh. And that's Love the Star hard, Wars right? metaphor. We're also <laughs> geeking out on your Star Wars. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the one movie everybody knows, right? <laughs> they do. Everybody knows it because it came out when we were kids or something. So, well, um, I love this. And um, I love the ramifications for the birth space when we imagine getting out of this hero role and becoming the guide, the true guide. And one of the hallmark characteristics, I think, of a true guide or love warrior or mentor, or in Japanese, it's sensei. And sensei literally translated means one who has gone before, right? What I really love about this role is there has to be non-attachment to outcome right? You, it's not your journey. So therefore you can't be attached to how it unfolds. You simply hold space, encourage, transfer tools, and mostly sit back. It's not your journey. It's not your job, right? Like you said, they don't fight the battle for you. I have a very vivid memory uh, in my early birth work years when I was a doula. I had three clients in a row who had cesareans. And um, back in the day, I had kind of an agenda. All cesareans in my immature birth work mind, all cesareans were an abuse of the birthing person. They were always wow. an overuse of medical and they were wow. always to be resisted. And I had three clients in a row with cesareans. So I um, phoned my mentor, who was my doula trainer also. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I must be, I... I'm a center of my, I'm the center of their story. I must be doing something wrong. What am I missing as a doula that these people are having cesareans? And she said, who the hell do you think you are? Who are you to deprive that person of the birth that they needed and Ooh. the cesarean that they needed? And she said, and I'm not just talking 
about the surgery that their baby may or may not have needed. But it was the emotional piece. It was the spiritual piece. It was the missing piece of who they are. And she said, if that woman learns to use her voice because she recognizes that she ended up with an unnecessary cesarean because she didn't pick the right team or trust her instinct or speak up, then she'll look back on that as the most important lesson she ever could have had. If everybody had the perfect birth, the growth opportunities for the becoming that is like the transformation becomingness of parenthood would be missed. Like you almost- it becomes a gift. Out of, it is. You get more out of the valley than you get out of the mountain. You get more out of the grappling and the the grit and getting messy than you do out of sunbathing. You just do. You learn more in the trenches. So and you get more out of being the one doing it rather than watching. So mm-hmm. if we make them watch us overperform to try to make it work for them, they become the victim. I just, I can see it so clearly the way that you're saying it. And I'm just so excited for my audience to hear this episode with you. I'm sort of geeking out. God, I love it. If they don't walk the walk, they don't learn how to talk the talk, right? I mean, I think if, you, if all midwives listening, you reflect back on what was your most teachable moment or what led you to midwifery in the first place, it probably had something to do with either succeeding and doing it, hear me roar, I birthed my baby, or having your power stripped and having to learn how to speak up. Like those are probably the two most common denominators for what led you to this work in the first place. So, you know, you're welcome. (laughs) I would say the women who are the hear me roar people, they were overcoming either their own expectations or someone else's lack of confidence in them. And their coming was about, see, I did it. I am badass. And that is also the hero role, right? I overcame and I crushed And right. now I can, you know, belong in this. So, um, right. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's so fantastic. So how, how did tell it, take us back to that moment when you were like, um, confronted by your mentor, um, and like, tell us about the journey of like discovering this other path for you. So I didn't actually understand the paths of, um, like, the roles that we play in, in the story brand framework. And I really didn't overlay story brand framework for my own personal growth and until recently, really 2020. Um, right. I started midwifery. Uh, I licensed in, um, I took my test in 2015, licensed at the very first week of January of 2016. And for Congrats. the first three and a half years, thanks. For the first three and a half, four years, I was just grinding all the time to try to build a business. And by uh, 2019, I was maybe two clients a month, always praying for that third client a month, never had quite enough, always had a little bit of a poverty mindset in my own business. And um, I was just kind of desperate. So I started taking classes and figuring out entrepreneurial, like business building and branding. And I ran across that book building your story brand by Donald Miller. And um, in February, 2020, before the whole lockdown thing, I sat in a wine bar with my colleague 
doing our Google analytics and found out that if you Google my business name, which is the name of my city, my, my birth center did not come up until page four on Frisco Midwife, which is the name of my business. I wasn't even on page four. Dallas and Plano and Allen and all the other midwives in cities an hour from me ranked higher than I did in the name of my own business. And I was like, that has to change. So I was um, following the story brand and it all fell together. So what, what they kind of describe in the story brand framework is what I've described earlier using the Star Wars. But then they give the example of all of your language needs to speak to the hero at, with you as the guide. So for example, they gave two examples in their book side by side. The first one is what we tend to want to do, sell ourselves and how great we are. So you pick me because, you know, my dad started this ladder company in 1900 and then um, I've taken it over or my granddad started it using only the finest materials and now it's been three generations and we have this legacy family business and it's fantastic. It's the best in the whole world, right? That's the promoting yourself as the central feature of the story. The opposite side of that would say, uh, we know that what matters to you is your home, your family, and your safety. We make the tools so that you can have a beautiful home, do it safely, and have time with your family on the side, right? Like make more, make more time to spend more time with your family. Our ladders give you all of that, you know, plus a cup of tea. So um, it's the idea of writing your words in all of your, like your blog post should start with, oh, I get it. Pregnancy, it can be overwhelming and confusing. I specialize in helping, helping moms feel safe and confident. Or um, your interviews when people are touring the birth center. It's like, um, I know that sometimes our world says that birth is super painful, but at this birth center, we have all these ways to help you feel, you know, you know, managing the challenges of pregnancy, we come alongside you and help you. So you kind of match the, what are they hearing as the hero that they're going to have to overcome? We vocalize it saying, we know that that's what your challenge is. And we're here to walk through that with you and help you overcome it. It's, um, it's all about just languaging from the side of what the hero needs to hear. Yeah. It's, it's reframing your point of view. It's a new POV, right? I love it. And what you've sort of transitioned into copywriting and a lot of midwives don't realize all the jobs that they do. In fact, I was at a conference run and we had a big whiteboard and from the audience, we brainstormed all of the job descriptions they have to have some level of competence in, right? <laughs> like nursing, phlebotomy, pharmacology, <laughs> respiratory therapy, like it could go on and on, right? Well, here's another one. You also have to have skill in copywriting if you are an entrepreneur, right? So copywriting is different than content creation. So content creation is when you are providing value for free. You're like, hey guys, I got stuff to say. Here's some stuff. That's it. Copywriting is maybe all of that, but it's also you have a call to action. You're converting. You're trying to get folks who get in touch with you or to get in touch with you. So they read your copy and they're like, oh, I should call her. They read your copy and you're like, oh, that's the person for me. Oh, this is who I've been looking for. Um, and so I think midwives should be competent at both. I think you should be creating content and you should be writing copy. And those are two different things. And that's a whole nother 
workshop. And in fact, we have it coming up. It's the birth business masterclass, February 1st. There's my sales copy. Did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) But you transition perfectly into that. And it is so important. It makes the difference about exactly what you're talking about, whether you're living in poverty, whether you're a starving midwife, um, or whether you're getting those frequent calls, whether you're filling your calendar and you're turning people away, it honestly starts right here. And sales copy is a part of a bigger mechanism called a sales funnel. And so the story brand helps to create some context for the kind of funnel that you're creating. So you made that gave that perfect example where if you are advertising yourself and all that you do, you're creating a funnel that only attracts people who are interested in being the victim or the villain because you occupy the hero spot. And that's why so many midwives complain so much about the quality of their clients. Right. You know, they keep we getting villainize these our clients when we do that. We're villainizing exactly. or we're victimizing, but we could be villainizing our clients too. It's horrible. Oh. Both. And maybe at the same time, right? They can flip back and forth between the two roles because of this triangle is an ever-evolving circle. So those midwives who have stories about how like she was so nice and then, oh my God, right? This is why. It's because you didn't give her an option to be the hero. So I love this uh, reframing of the point of view. And then I love how you started to talk about writing copy. So the sales funnel is a really interesting thing. And you sort of started nodding when I said that. So can I put you on the spot to talk about it? Or do you want me to? Sure. Oh, um, go ahead. So for me, you tell us, tell us. I don't know. I'm not a total expert on sales funnels. However, um, it's one thing to put your vision and your work out there in the world. It's another thing to bring people towards you through that work so that you can make that connection. The funnel is the way to... Um, weave the two lines together so that that consumer who's looking for you knows how to find you. So it contextualizes that that process. Yeah. So copywriting is part of it, but content is partly where they see themselves in your work. That to me is how they come together. So for example, um, I just, I just this week made 30 little TikToks and I know I'm like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be my son who's editing them and going to be putting them out for me says I will be TikTok famous because he's yes! like, I love he's a 25 year old. So he, you know, I trust his opinion, but also, isn't it great that my 25 year old son is editing birthy type, you know, fantastic. Miracle. This is called winning at life right there. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, so great. Um, so with my content, I um, attempt to verbalize something that might either cause someone to think differently or vocalize something that they haven't quite put their finger on, but it's pushing them to reevaluate their own point of view. I'm, I'm not just giving information. I'm inviting right. people to be reflective and introspective. And then I'm... Um, following with tools and resources for more information, sign up for, you know, this email or pop by my website or look for this tool or check out my podcast. I love it. I love it. It's a way to give people uh, just a, a taste like the Baskin Robbins little taster spoon of the ice cream. Exactly. And now come get more. That's exactly. That's a beautiful analogy. That's what a good sales funnel does. 
So just picture a funnel from your kitchen, whatever, you know, what you would put liquids through. And it, it has um, essentially four or five stages. So it's this um, slanted, you know, um, pointy uh, translation, right? It takes larger and brings to smaller. So the top of the funnel is simply awareness. See, nobody can enter your funnel if they're not aware of midwifery. So sometimes we have national organizations that are working to bring awareness. Sometimes we have really Brad Press that's working to bring awareness, right? But they have to have some kind of awareness. Then the next stage of the funnel is that they have to have some kind of interest in this service. So people could be aware of midwifery, but not be pregnant or not be planning kids. And then their interest doesn't matter, right? So the second stage of the funnel is to get your awareness message in front of people who could be interested, right? And then the next stage <clears throat> is um, where they become interested in you. So this is what you decided. Like people could be searching for midwifery, but on my search engine results, I'm nowhere near. So they don't even know about me. That's a crucial problem with marketing and needs to be solved with some SEO organization. But, but it's oh, that, that second or that third tier of awareness in you, interest in you didn't exist. So you had to fix that. Once they become aware of midwifery, interested in hiring a midwife, then know about you, then the next step is that they can consider working with you. And this is the crucial part where you're at, right? So you're creating content that says, hey, I know how hard this is, putting them at the hero of their story. I've got some solutions for you. Then they're sort of interested in you. And now the next piece is sales copy so that they know how to hire you. Click this button below for a free downloadable for information to sign up for uh, intro class to come have a free tour of the birth center to whatever those call to actions are, right? And then the last stage of the sales funnel right at the very tip is when they make the decision and they actually sign up and give you money, right? So people don't just sign up and give you money if they haven't gone through these other steps. And the brilliant part of what you're bringing is that they they, you get to reframe the conversation to make them the center of their own story, which is just, I mean, I know it's so simple, but it's freaking mind blowing. I just love that. I'll tell you what else is mind blowing about it is please. I, I did that work in February. I sat down like for three days and played with wording just on my website. I, at that point, okay. I wasn't really doing Instagram or anything else. This was just my WWW, right? Right. In March, I got my first phone call from a mom who said, um, I want to pick you. I'm like, great, let's set you up on a tour. She's like, no, I just want to set up my initial appointment. I'm like, you've never even met me. Why do you want to do that? She said, she feels like she knows website. you already. Yes. yes. You said on the website is what I want. And I was yes. blown away by, yes. um, I, because I had never had the problem of too many clients. I didn't know how to say no. It never even honestly occurred to me to <laughs> say I'm full for the month. So at the end of March, I realized that I was suddenly full to eight clients a month in August. And I had never had more than like two on the books for every month. And the third late transfer person that I would always be so relieved that I got my, my third, uh, that was just wow. going to make it break even, you know, get me just over the break even this month. 
And I looked at the calendar. I was like, what? I can't do eight clients in August. What am I doing? So for that whole next year, I had six to eight clients a month as solo person with one birth suite. I had to renovate my birth center and add a birth suite just to keep up with the accommodate the demand. Mm-hmm. Wow, Margie, this is such a testimonial. And that was in to how it works. Month. One month. Wow. Wow. One month. Wow. And since wow. then, I peeled back. Eight is too many. Like I don't love myself or anybody else at eight clients a month. Five, six is kind of where I've found I can do well. Happy zone. Yeah. And that's a great number. And that's a great goal to, and I'm sure you break even and you make money and now life is comfortable. And this is, I think where, where the paradigm shift from, like, if we could zoom way up to 30,000 feet, this is the paradigm shift that I'm trying to advocate for on a national level. If we could shift some of our behavior to get to a place where we are no longer in scarcity, where we can attract our ideal clients and live comfortably, sustainably, we have power. When you have your power and your time and your money back, then you can make really amazing conscious decisions. Like, I don't want to be that busy. I'm going to scale back to six or five. Or you can make an alternate decision that says, I'm ready to hire my next staff member and and scale this business. Or I'm ready to open my second birth center. I actually don't want to practice midwifery anymore. I want to be the entrepreneurial manager of a whole fleet of midwives or a fleet of birth centers. Like these are the kind of power play decisions you can only make when you have your time, your money, and your role back, right? When you aren't living in scarcity, because when we're chasing the next dollar, there's no possible way you can look up and see what's around you or what you're even doing. And this kind of paradigm shift will literally change the world. Because as midwives have their power back and are not in a hustle mode, they can be part of the national conversation about how to solve the global maternity crisis. But as long as they're still in the in the muck and in the dirt and being like, I can't feed my family, they can't participate in that. The other so, liver yeah, of um, the poverty mindset is really not just for like my family's budget. It's also the mindset that says, there are not enough clients for me. And then that means that the lady up the street or the person who's, you know, five miles away when she opens her business and I get all fussy because I think, oh my gosh, she's going to take my clients. But what I have learned this year, uh, these last two years is I have people now that I have to say no to. I am full. I have my six. And so I have begun to say, I know an amazing midwife up the street. She can take you, she can use my birth center even. And then we end up building this really cool collaboration. And it's like a food court, right? The more people know about midwifery, even if they are in someone else's court, we're all benefiting. It's going to attract more people. Oh, I love this. Midwifery food court. Oh my God. I got the image in my head and I see, I love it. Margie, you are so I'm not everybody's flavor. Thank you. I I love love you. you. Yes, exactly. This is how, you know, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's are across the street from each other all the time. They build each other's business. They don't take it down. Oh, I love this. Restaurants are always on restaurant row. It's the restaurant that's out by itself is dying, right? The rest exactly right. They are all thriving. Midwives, exactly right. Colleagues, not competitors. 
that poverty mindset that says, I don't even have enough for me. How can I partner with you? Kills relationship and relationship. It kills them. It kills them. Every single midwife in my hometown um, stopped talking to me when I opened the birth center and continued to stay hostile even after I ended up sending them business because we know we got to pull. It's a really insidious belief pattern in the United States and it has to end. It's absolutely ludicrous to look at the demographics and realize that midwives are doing at most 1.4% of the births in the nation and think there's not enough. That is actually a mental illness. I mean, I'm just going to say it like it is. That is, it's insanity. There is no math in the world that works out to that conclusion. How they got that conclusion comes from an actual illness. Like it's not true. (laughs) We, we could not possibly serve all the people that want us, even if we doubled overnight. Like we are so critically short of midwives. There is no possible way that there is any midwife in competition with you anywhere in the entire country, like full stop. (laughs) Totally. And I wonder if we take that role of scarcity are we being the victim? And if we're the victim, Ooh, interesting. We're still playing on the drama triangle. Ooh. If I don't have enough, yeah. Is someone, yeah. Am I expecting someone to rescue me? Am I, who am I fighting against? I don't know. We could, we'd have to really give that some thought because that's a mindset that is really, really unhealthy. It's so unhealthy and it's so pervasive. I mean, I can't even tell you every month I get a call from someone who's like, so-and-so is taking my business. And I'm like, uh, hold on. That's not possible. You just aren't attracting your ideal client. So stop it. You know, it's like, it's all you. It's nobody else. Wow. Margie. Oh my God. I've got the chills from our conversation. (laughs) We're going to have to like go out for a glass of wine when we're in Tuscany this year. Oh, girlfriend, there's going to be so much wine in Tuscany. Yeah. By the way, next piece of sales copy, Margie and I are two of the signed up guests for our, the midwifery wisdom retreat in Italy in May. And there's two more spots left. It's all on our website. It's amazing. We're going to have so much fun. We're spending a week over the international day of the midwife, um, on a, a beach villa in Tuscany in May. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I'm sure yeah. it's all completely a business expense for me, for my completely. Business. This is 100%. a complete write-off. Actually, this is the next thing to say. When you go on business masterminds, everything is a write-off. Where you stay, how you travel, what you eat, everything is a write-off. So those of you who are starting to get more business savvy, hello, this will reduce your taxes. <laughs> it's my excuse for going. Like I'm like, girl, I need some. It should be. Whatever excuse you need training. to go take care of yourself, <laughs> this is what this is. This is what this is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the point, right? We need to get more savvy at how we save our money, at how we attract our ideal clients, of how we treat ourselves. So I want to sort of wrap up here and just sort of go back to this hero's journey conversation. Um, Joseph Campbell wrote the hero's journey in the sixties, and he's an incredible researcher and an incredibly incredible humanitarian understands the consciousness of humans so much. And if you haven't go check that out, but the hero's journey um, is a really amazing metaphor for being human. And we are all on a hero's journey. And, um, I want to be clear that when we're talking about writing story brand, we're writing about copy, when we're talking about running your business or how you relate to your clients, 
that is business. And I think the thing that midwives don't do well enough is separate their business from themselves. So when you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business, even if you're a solo practitioner, it is still a business. It is an entity outside of yourself. And so paint that entity as the support guide. But you yourself, girlfriend, you got to live your own hero's journey like Margie here, who has written off her business expense in order to take herself on an epic vacation to Italy with sister midwives who are going to like stay up all night and drink wine. Like that's what it's all about. (laughs) So I want to just paint the picture of the hero's journey because I think that this is a really powerful metaphor. We're actually going to be talking about it on this retreat because it's such an important way to frame what you're doing. So there can be multiple hero's journeys within a lifetime, and you might find that you've gone on several repeats of them. But in general, the hero's journey is is as such. First of all, you get a call to adventure. Like this whole Italian retreat might be its own hero's journey. You get a call to adventure. Um, You're living in the ordinary world, like right now, everyone living in the ordinary world, and then you get a call to adventure. You can refuse the call, and most people do. They hear about something really epic and outside of the ordinary, and they're like, "Mm, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. That's not for me. I'm not really into that, right? So first, we refuse the call. And then um, usually, uh, we cross the threshold and meet the mentor. And the mentor in in the birthing journey is you, right? You are the midwife mentor. But in your life, there are other mentors. I like to be a mentor of midwives. Margie, it sounds like you're moving into mentoring other midwives. Um, Maybe it's like someone not even related to midwifery, but there's somebody that is going to be that guide that we've been talking about. Then you have all your tests, all the the road of of challenges. Um, You meet your enemies, you have allies that join your story, but it's, it's a road of trials and tribulations and those multiple times when you just get tested. At some point, all of those challenges drive you into your innermost cave, like the cave of the spirit, the place where you retreat to when you're just like overwhelmed with life. I can't do this anymore. And that is where you go through your biggest ordeal, the ordeal of self, the the ordeal of like, am I really doing this? Do what do I even want? What am I here to do? Right. It's like a crisis identity crisis, if you will. You, you get through that identity crisis in the innermost cave of your soul, and then you get your reward, whatever that looks like. Um, and you get back on the road that you were, you were traipsing on, and there's some kind of resurrection. And that's a very uh, uh, Christian word, but, but you are redeemed. Somebody sees you for who you really are now, or you get, you are now the wisdom bringer. And then you return to the ordinary world, bringing the elixir. And this is the medicine that the people need in this time frame. So all journey, heroes' journeys um, imbue the journeyer with something for the people. You come back with some kind of medicine. And some people are working in really tribal circles. So they come back with medicine for their tribe. And some people are working on much bigger community circles. So they come back with medicine for their community. And then some people are even working in like global circles and they're coming back with medicine for the world at large. But I think it's important 
to, to remember that even on your own personal hero's journey, you're still not in it for yourself. <laughs> we're, we're in it with each other. We're, we're in it for each other. And uh, Margie, I, I love that you brought this context, this metaphor forward for us um, to really play with in midwifery and to explore what the broader meaning is. And I wonder if you would just take a moment and reflect on your life and your practice now. Um, you told us some about your trials and your tribulations and being in the cave and like coming to terms with who you were and other people's stories and what you were here to do. Um, now you have a, a busy, successful, at the right level business that's sustainable. Tell us what else. What else is true now? Now, um, boy, this is going to sound maybe more um, philosophical than. All right. Um, I'm here for like, it. It's going to be a little bit of a leap. <laughs> Where I sit now, because I am always thinking about who am I in relationship to this thing that we're, this challenge or this scenario that we are tackling as a group in this prenatal room, um, I am more reflective on who I am in all the scenarios of my life. I'm more contemplative. Um, I have a deeper spiritual walk because I recognize that when I am in the rescuer mode, um, so my temperament is to go hard all the time for other people and solve problems. And when I put myself in that go hard role, um, I am filling the distance and making it difficult for people to journey. But I am mm -hmm. also not recognizing where my limitations are until my limitations throw me up against a wall. And so um, because I'm now making space for the person on the other side of the conversation, I am, my energy is wheeled back inside of myself a little bit. So I am a more of an observer of my own spiritual health, of my own emotional health. And it makes room for me to then observe other people's emotions that I wasn't making space for. I wasn't, I wasn't giving respect to other people's emotional journey because I was just solving it right mm. now my my life is richer the way that I experience the moments of my regular day the regular grind my regular moments have more depth and the fabric of my relationships is way better like way way better I like people who I wouldn't have even wanted to be around. I find um, like, I can think right, right as I'm talking, right. My brain has a split screen of two couples who, when they started care, I thought I'm happy to have them because I can use the money or because I had that spot and they have a baby. Great. And I never expected for my heart to feel connected to the place that I would want to embrace them and consider them a gift to my practice and people that I know I'll remember forever. Because where we started was prior to my really making space to learn people. Now I'm holding space and I love people that I didn't know I could love. 
And I get meaning from relationships that does something in me. It's not just what I do. It's doing something in me that I don't even really know what it is. It is just way more complex and beautiful on the daily than it ever has been before. It's a very- Because you're, you're in Love Warrior. Yeah. You're not on the drama triangle anymore. You're it's, in the center. You're Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, what is Yoda's favorite quote? You know, like there is no do, there is no try. There is only do, right? Like it, it is, it is love incarnate. And honestly, any good mentor, any good guide loves you unconditionally and doesn't do it for you. Right. Right. And I didn't know that I could love people unconditionally because I was so busy doing, I wasn't even making space to love. Oof, that's so powerful. Yeah, I mean, that's what this paradigm shift does is it creates so much space in your life and so much love um, that you, you get kinder and softer and gentler and it feels better to be you, 100%. God, and Marge, I'm growing. So cool. I see myself yes. in ways I'm like, oof. That part of me could be a little more mature. That part of me could be a little more forgiving or forgiven, right? It's the growth is really beautiful. It is so beautiful. Gosh, your community is so lucky to have you. We are so lucky to have you. Like, thank you for being a mentor and for teaching for us. I think you're going to get a few messages after this. So how can people follow you? (laughs) So friscomidwife.com and frisco birthcenter.com and then on all, all over Instagram and uh, Facebook and now TikTok. <laughs> so Frisco yeah, Mid- how can they follow you? <laughs> Please what do. Is it? We have Frisco Midwife and Frisco Birth Center. So because I do uh-huh. home birth and birth center birth, I didn't want to right. just, you right. know, we don't want to be exclusive. Yeah. You've got a double brand. Yeah. I love it. And people are about to see you coming out as TikTok famous. I hope so. <laughs> You're going to have to tune in my four episode series on circumcision. So, oh, oh, I can't wait. Well, we're going to link all of your, um, all of your channels below and let people know how they can get in touch with you. Thank you you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I enjoyed this so much. You, um, you really nourished my heart. So thank you. Mm. Thank you.